This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. How are you today? Awesome. Swimming pool is open. All is right with the world. That is a good thing. And we are joined by Pam Corkery, who is in Brisbane, I believe. You believe correctly. I am in Brisbane right now. I've been here for three years. Welcome. Thank you. I just have to stress, like a fool of a woman, my bloke and I left New Zealand because we were sick of John Key, and then we left. I mean, we couldn't bear it. We left, and then, of course, um, a new government came in, and before I die, I want a hug from Jacinda, so it's a shame. She seems to be doing a good job. I think she not only seems to be doing a good job, I think she is. I follow New Zealand news very closely. I've got a daughter there. And um, so I, you know, I want everything to be right for her. And, uh, yeah, I'm just astonished by people who have never been under that kind of pressure, which no one in this, you know, in, in our lifetimes has, suddenly experts. I mean, it shouldn't surprise me after all these years, but man, they were willing to risk a lot of lives. I think she's done remarkably well. It's remarkable how like, they didn't have a policy about how to respond to a pandemic, yet they seem to like know what they're doing. Well, I think they're humble. I mean, from my understanding, she and Ashley, from the daytime show, uh, of <laughs> them reporting, they you know, looked at what the, what do they call it? It's an acronym, CBC or something, disease, CDC. They looked at what they were recommending, what the World Health was organization was recommending. And there was also so much now. So I remember my, one YouTube came on one day in the middle of social media, and it was Jacinda and Nano Girl, the science explaining washing hands to children. Now, that's just so flaming basic, but so good, you know. And so I think there was the real, well, this is how people live, you know, and acknowledging and accessing all parts of, you know, solutions to that. I, I, I just was so proud, so proud. So how are things going in your bubble? Well, just to follow on from that one, it's really good being in Australia because they still have a bit of a, you know, there's that fun to and fro. And they will say how Australia's better and certain things. And then just finally I say, well, we've got Jacinda Ardern. You've got Scott Morrison. And they go, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. um, 
in my bubble, we had a bit of an abrupt start to it because my bloke is an addiction counsellor and was working in prisons and like it was still an over there thing. It was still sort of Europe and and not us. And then um, he came he came back home when he was supposed to be at work and he said, no, I was exposed to a guard yesterday who's got the virus. So we were into isolation straight away. And the practicalities of that, it's not like I stock the um you know cupboards for the for the great war you know we sort of stood there and looked at a tin of salmon and um tuna wasn't even salmon and some pasta went wow what's gonna happen here but people were very nice yeah and you had a supply of toilet paper well that was the no i've done the paper wars we were down after that period, we were down at nine in the morning on Sunday morning. We've been given the heads up from the guy at Woolies. Come down then. That's when they supply, you know, they resupply the the um, shelves of toilet paper. And we turned around the corner to the Woolies. There were like 50 other people there. And <laughs> even though I am actually in the age, like I'm 64 this year, um, I still thought I looked kind of funky and I had my shades on and everything. and um, this guy said, oh, you can go in with the older ones. And I said, shut up. <laughs> he just went on and on and on and said, this is for you. This is for you. And I thought, I've got something for you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite funny. Yeah. So, yes, you mean emotionally, mentally. How, is... how is it in the bubble? Yeah. Oh, it's been, I found it um, really challenging. Like it's probably without being a doomsayer, it's probably the first thing I think of when I wake up. I go, oh, that's right. That's still happening. And then um, I have to deal with it from then, not let, let that infiltrate my day. But I find I'm crying quite a lot at, at movies. Like, and they could be comedies and I'm crying, you know. And, uh, and I think there's a bit of grieving about stuff that's not doable now but i'm not really grieving because I'm, I'm i'm full of the sense of opportunity of what can come from this and just some days you think this is actually happening i have a daughter in the uk when they say 2023 to overseas travel i looked up traveling in a freighter yesterday that you could go to the uk 53 days, you know, to get there. And I thought, well, that's not going to happen. But so those things have been quite difficult. And, of course, I'm an addict in recovery. I've had to be dealing with other, like, I'm 10, coming up 11 years clean. But um, I suppose the upside has been counselling newcomers who are just clean, checking in on them. And we've got Zoom meetings for Africa, you know, obviously, you're constantly staring at people. But just making sure those logistics for newcomers were there because I think it was the guy from I can't remember what band he, band he was from a really good band anyhow and he was an addict and he said you know your addiction wants you dead but first it wants you alone and this is what all these people were so yes there's a lot of walking around with your head that's saying you're a useless human being and you go hey, shut up I can't do this I've got to deal with this today so we've been We've been, you know, so that's been quite good to have work to do in that area, you know, to look after others. Yeah. Too much information, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> no, 
perfect information. Let's well, it is really a time of, there's been um, a lot of relapse. And of course, just following on from that, and I see it's happening in New Zealand too, so much more alcohol consumption during this time. And it's just not, it's not going to help the days go quicker. Everyone's, everyone's having gin o'clock and yeah. wine on Zoom and whatever else. You build up quite a physical habit there. You know, because one day you might have to go back to work. <laughs> so, anyhow, I won't, I, won't, um, I won't thrash the issue, but these are quite dangerous times in those areas, and as we know, for mental health generally. I read that um, the cost of meth has dropped considerably, yeah. which was already quite cheap, and now it's stupidly cheap, uh, which can't be helping those people who are really struggling with their addiction. I oh. feel for the and I, I read that too. And of course, um, my partner's a former meth addict or ICE, and uh, now he's curing others, which seems the right thing to do, or assisting them. And uh, yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a very tailored for addiction drug. And I think also the, the market is changing in New Zealand. I think heroin and coke's back in. So, oh. you know, I mean, for me, being in recovery, I actually have tools for, for being in a bubble. Like it's life on life's term, you know, don't worry. It'll get better just for today, all those things. So in many ways, I'm totally blessed. And as my, as my partner, because we've had to spend quite a bit of time together, and he'll say something like, um, just for today, get lost, Pam. And, <laughs> and it's not quite the word lost, I think you can understand. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to play Anna Coddington there. Do you want to tell us why you suggested this one? This is a song. I didn't do rehab in New Zealand, but I would often go when you're supporting someone else to um, graduations of people who have done their time. In my case, I used to do that support work at High Ground, and this was a song that would be sung. And it's just when I read about it, it's sort of tossing off the shackles that were keeping you down and, and flying. And I just always see I'm tearing up even thinking of that. It's just a beautiful song.
So you're talking about supporting people. Are you? What work are you doing from home? Well, the good side of something like this is um, I'm doing freelance journalism. I've started doing some work for um, RNZ in New Zealand with a woman in Dara Stewart. It was great. And then, of course, that's been stopped all of a sudden. I love her. She's a star. She is such a star, and she's so funny too. You know, like she's she's just great. But then her first up show was um, put on hold because she's doing a virus podcast every day. So I'm looking forward to that coming back. But I do the odd column for newspapers here and that. But I've taken on for myself a large writing program project during this time, and it's it's great to have meaning and purpose every day when you get up. And I go, yay, that's happening. What are you writing about? Can you tell us? Well, I don't want to say, actually, right at this moment, if that's okay, because then I'll put enormous pressure on That's a terrific idea. And then I'll go, right, pressure, got to finish it now. And it will take the absolute joy out of it that I'm getting at this moment. But hopefully, I'll give you the heads up when it's public news. <laughs> I'm sure it's a terrific idea, whatever it is. Don't say that. But okay, anyhow, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible idea. Don't write it. Dreadful. That's not going to help either. It's shit, honestly. It's a dreadful, <laughs> dreadful idea. So, you, thank goodness, that's not going to work. I won't even finish it. Yeah. I wonder if that'll work for my PhD work. <laughs> I could try that. <laughs> well, look what you guys are doing. I mean, this is a really good project, and I think it's really important at home to have that meaning and purpose at this time to get up and doing and know that it's going to have, I think, a lot more value than my project. Never mind, but it's, it's a, a, it must be awful if you're just sitting, like I've done a fair bit of movie watching and binging on Netflix, but not, not a halo, you know? You still need to be part of the world. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. Well, hello, bubble people. Hi there. It's Liesel here, uh, coming at you from my bubble to yours. Although our bubbles have kind of become uh, bigger things now, haven't they? I don't know if I should even keep using the word bubble, but I really like that because I think that there's something really nice about feeling like you've got these um, bubbles of people that are close to you and then maybe bubbles of people that are a little bit further away and sometimes our bubbles interact and sometimes they don't and I guess now they are interacting a bit more. Um, but in this sort of age of uh, being aware of how we transfer our germs it's probably quite good to still think in bubble terms uh, just to keep us kind of thinking about how we how we interact with each other even though I know that we're in a pretty exciting space of so far fingers crossed being pretty um, vigilant with this COVID-19 
and keeping it at bay which is pretty exciting so I hope that we can continue to keep up this very um, exciting work and uh, continue to maybe reduce the chances of it reoccurring because I think ultimately we want to have kind of a life where we can interact with each other and um, move around and go back to some sort of sense of normal I guess which I think is what we're all trying to do in our own ways and um, I'm interested in how I'm slowly venturing out into the world and discovering it again and discovering it with slightly different eyes I think because this has um, changed me in some ways and I think you know it's been a short period of time but um, this whole experience of being kind of confined I guess and for some people I think this has been a um, an exercise in well I think for all of us it's been an exercise in resilience but I think that um, whatever shape or form that comes but I think for some people we felt um, differently about our confinement and that comes with your circumstances and all kinds of things but I know for myself I um, Hmm, how did I see it? Because I think, and this is my, my wanderings, wandering thoughts here on this, but I'm trying to get to where I, where I think I feel about this. I think that my confinement felt quite safe. I felt like I was in a good place. I had a good space. Um, I really felt that the levels that we got given were really helpful because it kind of gave very clear stepping stones and very clear boundaries around what was going to happen so level four sounded pretty full-on but I knew exactly what it looked like because there was some quite clear rules about what it what it did and all I had to do was stick to the rules stay inside do my thing for a you know a, an amount of time that we'd sort of been given and then we knew that was kind of under review so that all felt quite clear and I think for me that was just like, okay, I know what the boundaries are, I just have to live to those boundaries. Whereas I think for some people it was very much a, I've been locked up, I am confined, I am in a cage, I am not free. And I think there's something to be said about the way that our minds operate on that front, as in, I know my dad used to always say to me, you are more than just your body, you are... A mind you are emotions you are a, a spirit you know whatever you want to want to call it and some people will agree some people won't but there is something to be said about you're more than just your body so when your body is trapped and in some ways our bubbles made us feel a bit like we were trapped um, your mind is still free to roam and I think that being able to feel comfortable with that roaming space and doing some positive things with it finding ways to explore your own imagination, to um, occupy your physical space with maybe a bigger mental space um, is one way to cope with that kind of thing. And I think, you know, coming out of this space, it's, um, it's just shown me that there's a lot more going on than just the way that we move in the world physically. And I hope that we can continue to think about this as we move into the future. Um, I think there's some really good things that we can we can do with that. 
So those are my thoughts. I hope you continue to have a wonderful day and um, we will talk again soon. Take care. One of the things that we're finding is that kindness turns out to be a thing that you can base policy on. Kindness and, well, I often believe this, kindness and, and being vulnerable and asking for help are such amazing strengths. And this is where I get my hope for the future. I mean, we are hearing the worst of it. I mean, there's terrible racism here um, against the Chinese in particular, you know, being blamed individually. It's just awful, awful. And um, But then Australia is a racist nation, you know. And I heard a stand-up comedian once, Australia, and he said, no, we're not all racist. 90% are racist and the other 10% are Aboriginals. So really, it's a racist country. <laughs> And um, so that's very sad. But when I would get, I don't even know where that um, thread of conversation was going. But um, on that note, though, the young, I love seeing the young because they all go to school together. It just so, because I look down from a balcony on kids going home, and it's just a, they don't, unless you're taught it, it's not natural. And that's what we've always said in eight racism. Um, so where were we on the hope? Yes, you can build a policy on hope and and a, a practical one too, like I was reading over the weekend. But look at how essential work is now. They can't be undervalued ever again. You know, we have got to get more wages for it. It's always been the low paid who are exposed to danger, you know, like our supermarket workers, cleaners, carers, these. These are the valuable people. It's not a PR manager, that's for sure. It's not someone putting out a press release today. They are not essential. That's why they're sitting at home not working. And I would hope, and I know in the States, they've started going on strike. So we want more protection, basically, and better money. You know, in the UK, they've lost 160 medical staff, nursing staff to the virus. They've died, you know. It's just turned everything on its head, you know, venerating banks and bank managers and, you know, even airline, I know they've got some safety issues, airline CEOs, these massive amounts of money. Who do we need when we need toilet paper and food? It's um, them. So I think that's one of the massive changes. And also for me, my older sister, she said, it's just great to slow down. You know, she's got children and grandchildren. They're having to be homeschooled. Um, and they're having such a great time. You know, it's a bit stressful at times. I think she just disappears. She can. She's not the mother. She's a grandma now. So she <laughs> look after that. But there are kids just getting involved in knitting and making their own alarm clock. My great nephews were doing the other day out of, I don't know, wires and matchsticks. But this is great because we actually haven't got manual skills. What say, you know, when I was living in Auckland, all people there know how to do is ring someone to fix and (laughs) change a light bulb or whatever, you know. And it's really been great getting those um, number eight wire skills back as well. I just think the disparity between the rich and poor can't go on. Because who do they want? Well, the government here gave everyone a sum of money, 
Oh, not everyone. It was pensioners, but they were the first ones to get 750 bucks extra. They wanted them to spend. You know, these people who are treated like rubbish, suddenly they're the solution to coming out of the, the virus. No, it can't be like that anymore. And, and go, 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 wanting everyone, you know, you could take your super ran out early in the hope that you'd shop. And they're the ones who are the most high risk. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Exactly. Have some money, go shopping. <laughs> yeah, and that, you know, I hadn't thought of that. So here's the ones who are so, like, so low risk. Get out in the mall. Come on, Nana, you've had a good life. <laughs> it, but, but the cynicism of it, and, and, and job seekers here, like the ones on the basic doll, which is appalling, they doubled that rate. So they'd get out. And these are people who they've said had enough to live on. Suddenly, it wasn't enough to live on. They wanted them out shopping. And in a couple of months, they'll take that away again when the jobs won't be there. There's a whole lot of middle-class people who have found themselves receiving benefits. And so now the call is that the benefits aren't enough. Um, oh, isn't that just rich? Because, I mean, I did 20 years on Talkback, I think. And the things that were said about unemployed people were just outrageous. You know, it really was put on the suit, knock on enough doors, get a haircut. Well, actually, no, in that part of the country, there are those jobs. And and also not taking into the factor of, like, I could have got it come here when, when um, the lockdown happened. I'm sure many, with the restrictions being lifted, are going, I don't want to go to work. I'm still getting this payment for a long time. The 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 sort of really unfortunate seduction of just lying on the couch and feeling worthless. You know, it's not laziness; it's worthlessness. So I'm finding the irony in all of that too. It's an interesting contradiction that our superpower that was expected of us was to sit on the couch and not do anything, but then it turns out that that's quite hard after a while. Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, sadly, we're seeing the domestic violent rates rocket violence. What is wrong, Sam, with men that when something's going wrong, they think it's... I mean, I still can't get my head around it, that it's okay to hit your partner or your children. I mean, I suppose it has been in life. You know, if you're oppressed, well, I'll stand on someone else below me and below me. But I still have trouble getting my head around that but yeah but at close quarters things can get a wee bit unnecessarily scratchy you know at the best of times Sam reminded me earlier uh, one of our politicians uh, a quote from him the pandemic hasn't created inequity it's revealed it yes yes I saw that too and that is great I mean the whole curtain has been pulled back. I think Obama said that today, and he's breaking policy, criticising a sitting um, president. But, I mean, and also you think of countries, um, I was reading something recently, you know, the absolute presumption that white is right when you look at the history of, of the world. But if you're born in an African continent, there aren't the lush fields, there aren't the, I mean, <laughs> white people were very, you know, fortunate in places they took over because they took over because they were lush because they could produce and this has got to change 
again. I mean, I it seems like having very great hopes out of a pandemic, but if you put that on the top of the, you know, the growing environmental awareness, someone's got to say this isn't working. You know, if this were a toaster, I'd take it back to, you know, Harvey Normans and say, I need a refund. It's not working. That's how I feel about the state of the power play at the moment, you know, and then and then through this, Jacinda comes, you know, and I have only known of her, like I think I've talked to her like once, but seen her work and she is so the real deal, you know, she's great. You know? But I think of even when I'd get public criticism and that's not in her job, but just for being on the radio or whatever, and my then husband, um, he would get really offended on my behalf, and it does hurt. You know, those things do sometimes hurt. And I think I'm glad she's got her family with her and Clark and that. But she just looks like, I don't care. I've got this job to do, and I believe to the best of my ability, in a humble way, this is how we should go. She's magnificent. When you think of what she's had to endure since coming into office, one thing after another, after another, oh my gosh. And she's just handled it all with so much grace. Including being, um, you know, a first-time mum. Yeah. You know, I mean, whoa. And I love this. Well, I don't. Uh, that's sarcastic. People are saying it's just for her ego. They have. They seem to have no idea that that she's knocking back interviews and things all the time with overseas because she's looking after New Zealand. But that in world politics is gold for New Zealand. She <laughs> doors open for her. She doesn't even have to knock. And we will benefit from that. You know, she is a, an amazing ad for the country. And we're lucky to be in a country where the leadership can be so available that... Um, the talk that she did sitting on what was probably her bed in a sweatshirt, the fact that last weekend she went out to a, a cafe but they forgot to wring her head and it was they got turned away. Isn't it good to live in a country like that? Oh, sorry, you don't. But isn't it good for us to live in a country like that? Uh, I am very homesick at the moment, so it's okay. Let's just pretend. And uh, But when I see images of... Um, the US presidential convoy go past motorcade and he goes, So you're the head of the free world. That's not looking that great, is it? You know, <laughs> and you know, if we can retain this in New Zealand of yeah, the Prime Minister goes down, they go, No, sorry, we've got, we're full up, you know, granted they did run after her. Uh, backwards and then and then Clark posted a thing, that was my fault, sorry for the inconvenience, you know. But this is where a lot of change is going to happen too in terms of, you know, keeping it real. You think of the number of people who don't want to go back to their old jobs. Just I know I'm ricocheting off a bit here, but like employment agencies and that are saying, there are lots of people who said, screw that, I was so tense. You know, I was grabbing a sandwich in the mall, throwing down coffee, living on coffee. A lot of people will be different, looking for different work, and that's where New Zealand can look at different work. I mean, I've always thought we're a digital paradise. You know, put something down in Invercargill, a computer, you know, you don't have to cool it down. 
you know, you don't have to be <laughs> beholden to that smelter. But there are heaps of people from Silicon Valley who have looked at doing that, coming to New Zealand, and it's and and starting that up and giving those skills to our young ones would be great and making lots of money for us. One of the things yeah, that's annoying they, me about the media at the moment is that they do seem to have written the stories before they've interviewed anyone. And written it badly, you know. It's no, it's it's awful. It's because it's based on conflict. He said, she said, conflict. And then you go to the ad break and go, glad I'm not involved in that conflict. I'll buy that couch. I mean, it is, there's actually a, an algorithm associated with getting people, war, famine, blah, 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 here, this couch. And you go, well, thank goodness that's not me. I'll buy that on HP. You know, I mean, it's structured that way, but it's always got to be, he said, she said, damn, damn, damn. And, I mean, Simon Bridges, I've never rated, but man alive, he's put the noose with the rock you know, around his neck and thrown it over the bridge. And when you see editorial saying Simon could still pull, pull this off, that's just fantasy, you know. <laughs> and it's not even, you know, it's not even a rational thing to say. Seven percent, blah blah blah, you know. Yeah. And 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 I just Sometimes they say, you know, trying to buy this stuff for a dollar, and that's superior to the Herald, I think, but it's probably only worth it. When we were in lockdown, we were talking about how the the adverts that we were watching, which were pre-COVID adverts, seemed wrong, not just because of the fact that there was too many people in the room and they were touching each other, yeah. but the, the whole message seemed wrong. And we were looking at them thinking... I don't care about that stuff. And it, they almost I, seem, and now they've come back or starting to come back, they seem like a bit of an intrusion. Are you getting that sort of feeling from Australian we're TV? Getting we're getting them. There's mum, dad, and the two kids, and they're, they're rushing around holding hands, and then everyone's coming in, and they're at the beach. And I think this is ridiculous, and they're, they're still running ads for things we can't actually use at the moment. And that's another thing I hear from people. It's, I've just got too many things. Like, I know a whole lot of people who are decluttering and the good stuff they're, they're giving away. They're just saying, I'm going to stop buying things because we've shifted to, you know, just so appreciating flora, fauna, family connection. It's all connection, you know. That's the key to life. And... um. And I think they'll find it very hard to sell crap for a while. And but it's more the shift I'm feeling. Like my family again, my sister, she'll go, No, I love shopping and everything. And she she takes the piss out of me. And she's a very generous woman. She'll buy things for her grandchildren that she said, I just cleaned out an entire wardrobe of crap that is even too small for me too. She said, I was buying it online with an optimist's eye, but she's <laughs> She said, I just can't do that anymore. And she stopped then giving this amazing stuff to her grandchildren as well because they've got heaps. She's giving them time now. That is awesome. It's true, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. all, there's a lot of stuff happening. And, and the number of people who I know weren't, came back to Jacinda, Jacinda supporters, they've completely swung around because they've had, we'll have all these people having some you know, oh, epiphany, there'll be a whole lot. 
there'll be a whole lots of people going to going to conscience consciousness groups now but that's okay because we're dead a long time yeah. have a life yeah. and i think people are feeling that i'm putting herbs sensitive to a smile just there
Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokudui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, na mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou hau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars. And I hope that this time for you of venturing forth gently and gradually is going really, really well. And I know for me that I've been so grateful that I've been able to work through this time of level four and level three. And now at level two, I'm still working from home. And I'm really grateful for that because I think that we have been on a profound journey together. We still are. And it takes time and it takes gentleness and kindness with ourselves and with each other to return to a new consensus reality where a lot has shifted from under our feet and around us. And so gradual and gentle and kind, I think, is really important for us to bear in mind at the moment. So I know for me that making adjustments to interacting with people again and working to timelines again, all of those shifts that in my previous life I was very, very comfortable with, I'm now needing to give myself more emotional support to work around. And in terms of noticing the differences in terms of our social distancing and our hygiene, all those aspects that have come in now, again I'm needing to give myself increased emotional support to navigate these changes and of course at all times we can enjoy taking a bit of a step back emotionally and enjoying the learning that is there for us in all aspects of our life and being a bit of an anthropologist and enjoying looking at how we as a species understand and transform over time. And I think it's important and I hope that it's possible for everyone to honour the experience that we've been on and in many societies there are opportunities that are encouraged for people, especially young people, to choose that solitude and choose that journey and these are sometimes called walkabouts or vision quests where they'll go off on their own and that isolation. So of all the societal changes that we've seen in the last couple of months, reconnects them with a, what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? They're presented see, with visions thing, and dreams and revelations. Often symbols from the natural world by doing that from, um, inspire their journey when they return. I, and I hope for all of you I think that kind, this has been the a time of has to be there. going and within and like I, my reassessing says, and recalibrating. And now, now that you're moving out, all of those learnings and all of those revelations are coming away with you, you in a really helpful it. way. It's my shame and I know that in many I ways we haven't chosen you know, this. And situation not they're, they're used to, well, they're not in used the way to it, that we would consciously choose so to go on a vision quest. But I do feel me, that it's been so profound and so unusual and, uh, and such a rare opportunity you know, for some us. Of the chats I'm very amazing. grateful for it. 
Some are a bit threatening. One of the ways that we can reframe the majority. And it's just, all situations is to think how would I feel differently if I reframe this as though it is my choice and I've chosen this and this is an experience that is good for me to learn from. So I hope that for all of you, you've got lots and lots of love and support around you. And you're cutting yourself a bit of slack and you're giving yourself lots of love and lots of kindness as you venture forth into this new consensus reality. And I hope that when people that you know really well or people that you're just meeting and getting to know, if their behaviour obviously is somewhat different from our previous behaviours, I hope that you're not taking us in any way personally and that we can all enjoy this process of getting to know each other in a new way, getting to know our beautiful consensus reality in a new way and see ourselves in a new way having had this time of going with them. So I wish you all the best on your quest and I look forward to talking to you Thanks so much. She started off her career as a statue called the seven foot woman uh, the seven foot bride and she would make eye contact with people as they walked past her and she'd yeah. offer them a flower and she said it was in that moment of eye contact where people the the, the message was i see you yes. and that's yeah. what i've noticed is that people are seeing each other again and I, I, is it because there's less people around maybe I don't know what it is but I see you and I and I feel that but I I get oh I got a wee thing when you said that um but I I recently got rid of a doctor you know and I'm not having got real reasons to go to the doctor but just those sort of tech things and I said no no I've got to get rid of you because I don't feel seen or heard at yeah. all you're just writing shit talking about yourself and then talking about something but i think we all need to be seen and heard and this life we were living up till now wasn't allowing that for a lot of people and also we weren't growing up with that expectation of being seen and heard the new generation i mean i'm going i'm not around a halo of really i yes i suppose i am with addicts mind you they've had a quite a worldly life by the time i see them um but the young, you see, I have hated this pitting old people against young people. That's been the most vile construct of the media. Like, well, it's only pensioners dying. What about the young? Things like that from the virus. But, you know, I just think we've got to get the generations linked up again. And the saying that people have died, but they had, they had underlying complications, as if that makes it all right. Yes, they didn't, they didn't die, die of COVID virus. They died with it, I hear, is the thing. So I have some questions to end with and almost negative time to oh. ask them. So I shall edit and we'll be quick. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, getting clean, staying clean will always be the biggest success. Before so, that, giving birth twice. Yeah. <laughs> so we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. The team of people doing good. Team of people doing good work. 
So you're in our mansion. What's the superpower that's got you there? Wow. Um, being female. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. I was raised that? by an activist. I was, you know, my mum protested everything, you know, be it the <laughs> local priest dropping around, un, you know, unannounced and, and workers' rights, rent strikes, everything. I had no choice but to be an activist. And I try and I sometimes say, I'm too old. You can do that, you guys. But then you're just back, aren't you? Well, I mean, we're all activists, aren't we? Really? No. First they came. For, first they came for the Jews. Then they came for the trade unionists. Then they came for. Then they came for me, and there was no one there to help. We've got to be solid through life. But some people are adamant that your job is not to do that. Your job is to to keep your head down and get on with your job. What? Whose job? Whatever your job is. I'm an accountant, well, yeah. or I'm a. Well, you see, the days of politeness, I think, in that area are over. Like, if if this is – sometimes I think this is a spooky correction to life. Look, the, the air's cleaner because planes can't fly. Um, super – you know, if you said, oh, what does your brother do? Oh, what do you do? He works at the supermarket. They go, oh, yeah, whatever. Now we're venerating them. There should be badges, you know. So I think it's it's time where we where people stand up and um, and it's not true. Having said that, not everyone can stand up, and that's where we have to be our brother's keeper. I truly believe we are. Well, there's no point. What is yeah, the biggest challenge you're looking forward to? Oh, I just what am I? You know, I I'm grateful every day I'm alive. You know, it's just. Whoa, I'm still here. You know? <laughs> and uh, well, given how I've punished my system over the years, I'm remarkably fit and healthy. So what's the biggest challenge, I don't know, remaining authentic? Yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Yeah, what advice have I got, really? You know, it's... <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I mean, what what is advice? Don't drink so much. Um, there's um, Bukowski, a poet I really liked, um, Charles Bukowski, and yes. he he did a poem of a domestic scene. This is the alternative to what I I believe. It's it's anti advice, you know. And, and he said some suicides go unreported, and it was just the dull drudge of their lives you know we're not going to get brownie points on our deathbed for having just taken shit and i know it's not as easy as it sounds but if you keep taking shit you end up not noticing the taste delicate yep. absolutely yeah. <laughs> but you know hey yes. and do you know what you've you've really re kindled this need that I have to really connect with people without having to use words, just that that making eye contact and and seeing people. You reminded me of that because sometimes I just get so busy in my life. But actually 
that that really matters actually that non-verbal connection i see you you matter you're important you're not invisible that's so neat thank you thank you thank you very much for joining us oh dear. <laughs> Um, look, my pleasure. Good luck with all this. It's a really valuable project. I love New Zealand. Fly me, take me home. <laughs> You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook as well. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Manansoyas Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and Pam Corkery in Brisbane. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.